to another edition of Let's Talk Ghosts, where we talk about all things paranormal. Um, if you hear our air conditioning in the background, I'll try to edit it out, but it's like 9,000 degrees outside, which is very fitting because today we're talking about demons in hell. <laughs> yeah. We watched the first episode of Legion of Exorcists, which is on Discovery and the Travel Channel. I think those are the places where I've seen it. Yes. Um, and we, we opted to watch today the very first episode in this season. We did see an episode, oh, I don't know, several weeks back. Yeah. And it wasn't in turn, so I don't know where it was. And uh, We definitely had comments about that particular episode, but... This time we're gonna we're just gonna try to talk about this episode, even though I know that Bruce has issues. <laughs> he's, Bruce issues. has got a lot of issues. He's got issues. Eli Roth. <laughs> so this is Eli Roth's thing, and actually I was surprised he does a little intro in the beginning, and I thought he was older than he is, but he's really quite young. Which explains his relationship with Zach Bagans. You know, they're friends, is, is what I've heard. Um, they're roughly, I think, the same age-ish. Yeah. So so he does have this little bit of opening. The first one is, episode one is called Demonic Objects. So uh, it opens up a little bit. Uh, Eli Roth, that I guess, introduces the episode, talks about it a bit. And then the next scene is you see all these exorcists, the legion of exorcists, all sitting around this sort of table in their fancy easy chairs or thrones is what it looks like, actually. Yeah. And then they're going to share their stories. So uh, each episode seems to have two stories, which is good. That's enough. So the first one is Bishop James Long, who I'm pretty certain have we've seen on ghost adventures yes but he's heavier yes this is the yeah, this is the same guy i'm quite certain it is yeah. so he's lost some weight in this show yeah well, and he's he's talking if for anybody who looks at it and goes he's familiar but i can't quite place him that's why so the first story is about um a Cursed doll. A cursed doll or a haunted doll. It's like a clown. I hate dolls. <laughs> you hate clowns. Too. Well, you don't hate clowns, but um, clowns but it, but it's bother. like a, a clown, like a, a, what's a marionette. Of, no, no, no. Um, well, it looks. I'm thinking very more good. of like a vaudevillian sort of yeah. clown. Um, and it was it's bought at an estate sale. Now, this lady seems to have been completely drawn to it. To the point of, of being crazed over it. She had to have it, had to have it, had to have it. And apparently one of her things is she she buys stuff to resell. Now, a lot of people do this as they're living. They make a lot of money at it. But at this particular estate sale, all she saw was this clown, and she had to have it. She bought nothing else, just this silly little clown, much to her husband's chagrin. Yeah, when her husband picked it up, he seemed evil. Yeah, yeah, he saw things, and so he didn't like it. So yeah. he didn't want it. She insisted she was going to buy it. So they get it home, and sure enough, weird things start to happen. Um, the one thing that they showed was the, the teenage daughter playing with this little ball, and she goes looking for it. You see the ball roll by, 
She goes looking for it, and the next thing you know, she sees it on the shelf beside the clown. Now, there's no way it bounced all the way up there when it was just rolling along the floor. So that's kind of weird. And then they have this build-up where they have her reaching slowly towards it, like ever so slowly. It's very dramatic. And then at the very end, she almost she's freaked out. She doesn't grab it, so she runs away. Well, smart kid. Smart, yeah. Um, but I just found it was well, very dramatic. Yeah. Reaching for it, yeah. not. And then the big, big event, um, they wake up in the middle of the night to their smoke alarm going off. And the house is burnt to a crisp, from basement to ceiling, attic, except for the shelf. Well, the shelf was, was burnt, too. But the doll, and you just finished saying, if they go in that house and the doll is still intact. Yeah. And sure enough, the doll is still sitting on the shelf. It's all burnt around... Now, the shelf's not burnt to a crisp. Yeah, it was... It was burnt. Burnt, but... But it, it wasn't demolished. Yeah. Which you would think, if it, if it was as hot as it was, that would have been burnt, too. Yeah. But anyway, that's I digress. That's uh, Hollywood. So anyway, this doll is still sitting on the shelf, perfectly intact, no smoke, no ash, nothing. Apparently, this freaks the woman out, finally, yeah. and she calls in Bishop James Long to come and take it away, which he does. He binds it to his fabric thing, takes it away. All is good and fine until he is instructing a class on demonology that he jumped to because it was an opportunity, and one of the students in the class who says she's a psychic medium, and I don't feel anything coming from that thing. Can you take it out of the glass? Well, that's just dumb. Yeah, well, well, I'm thinking that this whole thing is dumb. (laughs) Um, Because you know better, and he knows better, than to take it out of the... And, and handle it. And handle it. I mean, he didn't just, it's, it's like one of those doll cases, so it's like an oval glass dome over the doll. So he takes the glass dome off and then doesn't just look at it. I mean, he says immediately he could feel a, a shift in the room, but he still picks the doll up. So he's holding the doll and he's looking at people and he's seeing their faces all bloody and burned and stuff. Yeah. This is the guy who, who told Zach Bagans not to do that. <laughs> Don't handle this. How Don't many times did he say, you're playing with fire? Fire, yes. He did the very same thing. Yeah. All because he was excited about teaching a class. Yeah. And getting some recognition. So part of what was happening is as he's holding this, and suddenly his laptop bursts, uh, bursts into flames. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. There was a fellow in the audience, the black guy. Did yeah. you notice him? Yeah. Um, he didn't appear to be affected like everybody else did in the room, where they were going on about... It, just, it, it seemed to me like he kind of had some presence of mind, knew something was going on, and was paying close attention. He's the one who jumped up, got the fire extinguisher, and put out the fire, and and kind of... Saved the day. 
well, he definitely saved the day. But it, it, when he was shooting the fire extinguisher at the fire, he also lifted it up a bit and squirted it at the priest. Yeah. It almost like to get his attention. Like, whoo! Like, he was quite smart that way. So then the guy went, oh, okay. He put it back into the, the case, covered it up, and again, everything shifted in the room and it was different. First off, this psychic medium, if she's truly a psychic medium, should have known better too. Well, just because she didn't feel anything doesn't mean that there's nothing. Yeah. Like, honestly, just because you think you're a psychic medium does not mean you are, or it doesn't mean you're always going to feel everything. Yeah, and being an exorcism priest. Oh, he should have known better. He should have known <laughs> So, yeah, all the things he would say on Ghost Adventures, don't do this, don't do that, he did. He did. So that was kind of interesting. So they have a few other people making comments, which is good. They had a uh, Minister Scott Johnson talking, he, and a demonologist Rich Valdez having a few comments here and there. But the next story was Reverend Rita Strugula. And she says that haunted objects are not just, you know, things that you can find in antique stores and whatnot. She's sometimes their actual family heirlooms. And so the story she's about to talk about is about this family who suddenly start having issues and they don't really, at the beginning, have it pinpointed where it starts. But the mom is having nightmares. She's waking up every night with bruises uh, and she starts acting more and more strange. One day she's down in the basement doing laundry and the next thing they hear upstairs, she's screaming. They, one of the, the nieces goes downstairs. These are all adults. And she sees her sort of teetering on a, a stepladder, I think it was, yeah. with a noose around her neck. Yeah. And she's on tiptoes, basically, trying, I yeah. guess, not to hang herself. But she's kind of not there. Yeah, well, yeah. So the theory is she was attacked by some demon in the basement who put this noose around her neck and, you know, and still had some presence of mind to stand on tiptoes because she didn't want to die. So they get her upstairs. So they call in the reverend and her team, which consists of another reverend or priest or whatever, and a sensitive. So there's a three of them, a team of three. And they go in. Immediately the sensitive says, oh, there's a... There's something dark here. Yeah, yeah. something evil in there. Eventually, they, they go upstairs to the bedroom because the, the mom, she's really kind of in and out. She's It's almost like it's almost like a fugue state, but she's sort of stoned, kind of there, yeah. kind of not. Um, so that, that was kind of interesting. She'd come out, and she'd actually be somewhat coherent. And she said, it's waiting for me upstairs in the bedroom. So they go upstairs. And before they even get to the bedroom, the sensitive says there's something really dark. They go up there and they discover, well, we don't see it, but the sensitive says it's above the bed on the ceiling. So they try to bind it to the ceiling right away so that they can stop it from moving around while they do whatever they do. And it didn't work. And so I thought it was really interesting that the reverend goes, that's the first time I've ever seen that. That's not good. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's the first thing I would think too. That's not good. 
But while she's down looking under the bed to see if it is hiding under the bed, which I don't know what they're seeing, if they were actually seeing anything other than a shift in energy, because we didn't see anything on camera. So it's hard to say. And she never really said what she saw, if anything. But anyway, she's looking under the bed, and she sees this little sort of like a jewelry box kind of thing, little silver box. She goes to reach for it, and it's hot. So she pulls it out with her um, no, she, she picks it up, burns her, she drops it on the bed. Okay. And, and then she picks it up with her, her mantle her, thing. Yeah. Yeah, and wraps it in that and figures that that's what it is. So they figure the demon is in there, they got it, they're going to leave. <sighs> so they put it in a box. It's not taped up like it looks like it is because he puts it on the seat beside him and it falls this is my issue it falls over it's on the floor in the car but nobody notices the guy sitting beside it doesn't realize it's falling out banging on the bottom of the car door the floor like you heard it but no put it on the seat yeah put the box on the floor so it can't roll off and fall like dumbass but, you know, it's, I, I, TV. it's TV. So, I mean, maybe they did that. Who knows in real life? But, of course, it has to be, you know, dramatic for television. Yeah. So they get in the car. They, they, I don't even think they're moving yet when something, the demon, is trying to Grouchy. reach for the reverend. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to do, oh, get off, don't touch her, praying, whatever. And she eventually gets released, and then they carry on to wherever they're going. And then... There was, like, a gap where I didn't quite understand... Yes, yeah. ...what was going to happen. They they were supposed to take this object somewhere, but they didn't really get there. Well, they're going to take it and, and bind it. Right, they were going to cleanse it and do whatever, right. and then they and wanted to bring it back. it back. Right, right. You, know, you, you, you don't give an object back. Well, I guess if it's cleansed and there's nothing more to it, you could... But it happened so quickly that we didn't have a chance yeah, to see anyway. what they attempted. And because then, they get called back to the family, who's now the, the mom is in complete possession. She's, you know, gyrating around on the floor and crawling, you know, like you see on TV. And gra- grass in the backyard. In the backyard. Howling. So howling at the moon and spitting and, you know, you just want to throw her a stick like a dog because yeah, that's how she's behaving. Fresh. And so her adult daughter comes out and... Basically, she they called it saying that she was taunting. Well, she really wasn't. She was just saying, leave her alone. To me, that's not taunting. Yeah. But anyway, and then the, the demon jumps from the mom into the daughter. Yeah. And that's when it got interesting. So then they have these two women that they, they, they call it a transient possession where the demon can jump between bodies at will, which is interesting. I haven't really... I've never heard of that. Heard of that. I'm not saying it couldn't happen yeah. because I'm, oh, I'm yeah. quite certain it could happen. I've just never really heard anybody talking about it. So they said that they needed to do an exorcism and the best thing that they could do was get these two women into the church so it wouldn't be on the demon's turf, it would be on their turf. And they said, it's all a good theory. The hardest part was getting them into the church. And they showed really struggling with the, the younger woman because she was the one that was actively possessed at that time. And she was fighting and clawing and everything. They almost had to pick her up and, and well, carry they, her. They dragged her yeah, in. Yeah, they dragged her in. But, you know, and, and then tied her down to the chair, basically. 
the mom, who was still in the, kind of that in and out fugue state because she's, I don't know, partially possessed, maybe not. Anyway, they, they kind of walked her in and uh, sat her down on the pew. And then they decide to start the exorcism. We're going to start with a young woman, and they, yeah, it's just typical the way they always go, you know, praying and doing whatever. The best part was they think they've got it cleared, everything's quiet. Oh, they're going to turn to the mom and now do her, her exorcism. Anybody who knows anything about watching demons and stuff knows that there's that quiet spell where they're trying to pretend that they're, the, goat, the demon is is gone when it isn't really, to try to get your confidence. And, of course, that's what happens. So they eventually do get these two women cleansed and exercised. And they find out later that the the haunted object was given to them by their father or father, yeah, the, the mom's father's new, new wife. wife. The, the mother had, had killed herself, and so he remarried fairly quickly afterwards, and this woman was just nasty evil, and they surmised that she's the one who was a Satan follower or whatever, and called the demon to possess his object. They don't know that for sure, but it's nice Hollywood. But it would explain how this family heirloom got possessed. So this this heirloom had been placed into a box, was given to them, they had it in their basement for a long time, and then she found it downstairs, and that's when she brought it upstairs, and that's when all hell broke loose, for lack of a better term. So I thought, now, I, like I said, I'd seen another one once before, that, and we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> it was just bullhawk. I just wasn't sure if I was going to like this. Right. This one? You know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't. It was an awful lot of drama for television, and I could tell where these stories were embellished, and that's very likely production. It wasn't very good. I didn't you mind. Know, it. I, I don't like. I don't like the fact that the reverend that I know that the bishop, the bishop uh-huh. that I know would do something so stupid. And it, and it goes against everything that, you know, that. And yeah, I, I do wonder where and, in this, where in his career this occurred. Yes. Because if it happened early on, maybe he didn't know. Yeah, but he's doing it now, though. Yeah, but he's talking about it now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And he never, doesn't explain that this is just exactly. a, a case that he, you know, he had. Yeah. Um, exactly. So, you know, but no. I just don't like that. And yeah. I don't, like, I, I don't say that I'm a demonologist or, or anything like that, but I've always heard that demons, when you're doing a, somebody uh, cleansing them, you gotta get them to say the name of the demon, mm-hmm. like Legion or Zozo or whatever. Who's you know who's in yeah, this? Yeah, you're supposed person. to know the name of the demon if you want to cast yeah. it out. Yeah, and they didn't. And and no. So, is that a fallacy or is that true? That's interesting. He might have to do some more research into that because I would like to know too. Well, if this know, is all just TV BS, yes, 
Or do you really have to know the demon's name to get to have an exorcism? And I kind of think you do from yeah. everything well, that we've ever heard. Yeah, and the Pope's exorcist, uh-huh. based on a real story, gets him to say the name, who are you? Yeah. The the guy from... The Conjuring. The Conjuring. The Warrens. Yeah. They had to do that as well. Yeah, and <laughs> the deliverance from evil guy. Um, mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know who you mean. It's the same thing. So all these demonologists know better. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I, I wonder, again, how much of this was for television, which I would suspect a lot of it is. Yeah. It's Eli Roth. It is made for entertainment, yes. So how much of it is just TV and how much of it is real? But, you know, don't say that it's real. Yeah. The very beginning it says, you know, evil is on the rise and now we've got this group of a legion of exorcists that are out there to... Yeah, I, that, to me that was just a whole bunch of yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Would I watch another episode? Maybe. Yeah, I probably will. There's nothing else on. <laughs> yeah. I probably would, but I would be watching it um, for um, entertainment purposes, not for believing that it's real. And, to me, this is, this is more... My, for myself, the, the first one did it for me. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. And the one that, we were, I don't even know what episode it was, but yeah. it was this, one of the exorcists who decides his his parishioners, ex, he's, he knows that she's got something going on. He's 300 miles away, but he knows that she's probably possessed. She needs help. And every time she phones, it's, a, it's, it's her daughter or something. Daughter. Yeah. And every time she phones, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. He knows she needs help, but he won't come to help. He could get in his car and drive, but he doesn't. Instead, he's going to help her over the phone. Yeah. So he has this lay person on the phone. He's telling them what to do. Yeah. Any exorcist worth their salt is not going to put yeah. an innocent in jeopardy like that. Yes. And apparently it works. Oh, it worked. I was so surprised it worked. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's TV. So that one kind of soured us for all of them. So, yeah, you would never put an innocent in that kind of position. So, so yeah. Anyway, would I watch it? Yes, I would. But I would watch strictly for entertainment purposes, not for any other reason. Yeah. And I would, I'm done. <laughs> it was well done in the fact that it was made for television with a professional production crew, had credits. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was well done. I just, if you want real paranormal behavior, this isn't it. No. This is all made for television. And that's okay, if that's what you want. Anyway, that's it for today. Don't Another fantastic in. episode of Let's Talk Ghosts. Yes. Have a wonderful day. Happy haunting. Happy haunting. Bye now. <laughs>